Hey guys, this is Future Perry. While I was editing the interview with Megan episode that we put out last week, I realized that there's a lot of really good content in there that didn't really pertain to PTSD, but I didn't want to cut it out because I thought it was really important. So you guys are going to get a bonus episode this week just talking about Megan's experience working with children, new moms, separation, and then uh, bonding, as well as processing trauma due to deployments and separations and things like that. So this is going to be an awesome one for all you moms out there. I really hope that you enjoy this and we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. I just try to think from like a, like a maybe a, de- a deployed mom standpoint of they have been getting this, they've got this for twelve months, mm-hmm. and then them wanting, can we please go to the park and you have to come with us because I can't handle these three children by my own for one more day, and then not being able to get that support right. because of all these factors. Like what what basic level of advice could you give them? Just patience waited out village or? you got to build a village and you got to have and a I support network military spouses we do have that right we, have we try spouses. to and so. like when you so like if you're if you're in the commissary and you see a mom whose kids are running around screaming and acting a damn fool if you are in a mental space to be like hey are you okay if i just take them outside for a minute so you can have a couple minutes to do what you need yeah. to do right yeah. because that's that's huge right or even just looking at them and like letting them know that you see them and the struggle that they're going through um because that happens even in a regular supermarket you have a kid that is throwing an ungodly fit and other people are judging that mom and i look at her and i'm like girl i i understand like (laughs) you're trying don't give in don't buy the candy bar like don't do it because you're gonna (laughs) start it well, no, because it starts a pattern. I throw a fit, I yeah. get a candy bar. Yeah, like, it's not learn a pattern behavior. that you want to have, learn right? Behavior. It's not just learned; it's rewarded behavior. Yeah, yes. and these are the adults that you see in real life that throw a tantrum when they don't get their way because they're so yep. used to throwing a tantrum and getting their way. Thank you, your four-year-old self. <laughs> I like. There's definitely like. I know for me, I don't have kids, so for me, I I would feel weird walking up to a mom who's probably on the verge of a meltdown because their three or four kids are just screaming, like just mm-hmm. being on, like, I just, I take the, I'm just not going to go down this aisle. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Shannon. You, I have seen you offer to buy groceries for moms <laughs> that their husbands are gone. I have seen you offer to give them rides. I have seen you do all these other things. So you say you're not going to be comfortable at stranger the grocery store you're right but you have do so many thoughtful preventative things like please don't discredit yourself right now please don't i've seen it okay shush your mouth so i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna teach you the best phrase that you can use across the board with anybody that you see having a hard time and of course you have to be in your own space to be able to do this right um the best phrase that you can ever ever approach somebody with is how can I be helpful right now? Yeah. Right. Because what that does is it doesn't assume that you know what they need. 
Um, it also isn't like, you know, if you're like, well, if you need anything, just let me know. Like, no, I see it. Like, how can I be helpful right now? Yeah. Like, also not huge. everyone's comfortable to reach out either. Well, it's, it's yeah. It's more of like a d- saying, I see you have a need. Mm-hmm. I know you need the help. Right. What is the actionable item for me? Instead of, mm-hmm. you know, just right. let me know whatever one day, maybe tomorrow, maybe Tuesday. I, you know, I, I, and I, I will call out to people like the way that I phrase it, just because I'm so in tune with other people's emotional energy, just because I am. I'll walk up to me and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> this looks really stressful. How can I be helpful right now? And like, I point out that it looks stressful. I point out, I'll be like, dude, if this was, if this was happening to me, I'd be stressed out. I don't know how you're handling it right now, but can I be helpful? Right. And people will be like, oh my gosh, she, she actually understands this, right? Like, oh, I have permission to not, or to not appear like this isn't stressful because I think that's the biggest thing that we do as humans. It's a disservice is that we don't give each other or ourselves permission to not be okay. Yeah. And just giving people permission to not be okay in that moment so that they can feel seen, like genuinely seen, is sometimes the biggest thing that we can do to be helpful, to validate like, dude, this looks hard. This looks so hard. I don't even want to be in this aisle right now. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to live with it. (laughs) I saw a meme recently. It was like, I can't imagine people with kids. You like come home from being being out all day and there's kids in your house. <laughs> right. Well, and if it's if if you have a stay-at-home parent, they might be out in the in the in, in a public forum or somewhere because all they want is just to have one minute of adult conversation. Yeah. Which I've heard, I've that, heard that too. That doesn't resolve around poop. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't revolve around poop. Toys. That doesn't resolve wiggles, around poop. Whatever it happens to be at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, yeah. toddler, yeah. If I if I don't have to hear the Paw Patrol theme song, it's a great day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've I've noticed that like some kids just like get stuck on like a okay, particular thing, and that is it. Thing, so, like, let's not blame it on just children. Like I also listen to the same song and watch the <laughs> no. same shows over and over. Again. No, that's an anxiety <laughs> oh, thing. Well, it's it's a comfort thing. <laughs> So music is different. Music taps into this part of our brain that nothing else taps into. But watching the same movies, the same TV shows over and over again, there's comfort in knowing what's going to happen and knowing what to expect. And that's why we go back to those shows because we know what to expect and we know that it's going to make me feel positive or it's going to do whatever it's going to do for me because it always has. Are kids the same way as I like kids watch Paw Patrol a bunch of times? Repetition is how they learn. Repetition, 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 which is why I'm constantly saying things like, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth. teeth." And then I make up songs about brushing her teeth so that maybe it will tap into that other part of her brain to make her realize that I need now. Uh, this just reminds me so much of my mom having to tell me to do things 15 different times than it took until the 15th time for me to be like, oh, yeah, my mom does want me to brush my teeth. Got it. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. So, like, and it's funny, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. I can say it nicely 10, 15 yeah. times. But the one time, that that final time when I'm like, go brush your teeth is when somebody else witnesses it. And that's probably important to remember. Uh, 
Yeah. And then I feel like the biggest ass on the planet because this person just saw me like gritting my teeth or raising my voice at my child because I do that because sometimes you need to mm-hmm. elevate to be heard. Yeah. Um, and they haven't seen the 20 or 30 times that day or prior to that day where I've been like, no, I'm sorry, you can't jump off the play structure because you will break <laughs> no, your No, just leg. get down. <laughs> like, that's a bad idea. can we not can we just not let's no you can't kick your friend in the face like that's a bad idea (laughs) like no no we're not doing that today can you not can we not climb on the out i saw this kid climbing on the outside of a play structure like up the outside of a tube slide all the way up like 12 15 feet in the air and then kind of hung there for a minute and i thought this kid was gonna fall and i'm having the biggest panic attack not my kid i'm having the biggest panic attack on the planet because i swear i think this kid my kid is not that brave um i did something right i've made her understand that like (laughs) she is clumsy by nature because she got it from me and that there are certain things she just should not do but i'm watching this kid hang there and i'm like where the hell is this kid's parent like, why is nobody telling this kid not to do this? And then I'm watching other kids mimic him and doing this. Yeah. Like, okay, we need to go now because I can't. I can't take it. My emotional process cannot take what's about to happen. Yeah. So we need to go. <laughs> it's there's definitely been times I'll see like really chaotic that? stuff. And like, <laughs> oh no, there's there like I'll just say it like there's some there's some really bad kids where I live. And like, there's been a few times I'm like, I didn't see nothing. I'm just gonna keep on driving. <laughs> like, so I'm gonna that's change not my kid. I'm gonna change your language. There are really no bad children. There are children who have not been taught appropriate ways to get their needs yeah. met. Makes sense. Because they don't learn. Like, they don't come out yeah. the womb doing that stuff. Yeah. They are getting their needs met the best way they know how. And sometimes that's because they had really bad role models. They don't have any role models at all because both Mm -hmm. parents are working, right? Um, Or they have a parent who's limited in some way. Um, Or, you know, they have older siblings who are also learning how to get their needs met. Um, Or, you know, they don't know how to adjust to Mm -hmm. being in a new place. They don't know how Makes to adjust sense. to being yanked around. Like just like when you guys move and you're de- you're sent to a different place, think yeah. about what that. And that's does something we've very briefly touched yeah. on too: is the kids and and building relationships and and that kind of reset that they right. have to go through. Right. So when you are the new kid constantly, right, and there you're you're being thrown in with an existing group of children, what do you do? Yeah. You do what they do. Because you need to have connections. I also, I heard this when I was a teenager. Don't know if this is true, but the biggest, like, the first fear you have is the fear of rejection from society, which is why sometimes your first memory is an embarrassing memory because embarrassment is you doing something outside of the norms of your society. Am I right? Am I somewhere right? Okay. So, yes and no. So I would, I would proffer coming from an attachment theory background with some of this stuff, our actual first base fear is rejection by our primary caregiver. So mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever, our primary caregiver, that connection 
has, it's like the primal connection. And if we experience that rejection, that is what we carry with us. It, first. Yeah, it sets you up for a lot, a lot of issues. Because funny enough, I just finished a development class for like pregnancy up until like mid childhood. And one week alone was just about the attachment theory mm-hmm. of like the four different breakdowns. If like you and mm-hmm. one of the things they kept on like kept on harping was like, where can you see this theory being applied? I'm like, I can only imagine a lot of caregivers like a daycare or a school would be really this would be a very important theory for teachers to understand or to read about, because mm-hmm. then that would make sense why the child behaves the way they do them when they get dropped off or if they seem to really not even care that their parent just dipped like there's going to be a reason behind the behaviors that they're showing, even if there's no words being said, there's understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. Like, and that's one thing I absolutely love about the classes I'm taking right now is like I've said before, I don't have kids. So me reading about this stuff blew my mind. Cause like that makes sense now. Okay. That that's mm-hmm. applicable for these situations. So, yeah. So it's, And if you are somebody who got your base needs met in infancy and you have a secure attachment, then yes, the next primary fear would be rejection by society. And that typically doesn't kick in until puberty because until then kids don't care on that level. Like they don't care. It has to be something super significant embarrassment or whatever for them to hold on to it. But like, it doesn't, like people don't start to attach their identity to society until teenage years. And, um, but what will happen is, is if you have a child who already has experienced some kind of breakdown in that Mm -hmm. first primary attachment, then they start to look to attach anywhere they can. And so friend groups, well, now I can't even attach, you know, there, my teacher or whatever, like they start to seek out whatever connection they can have. Um, And we see this a lot with adopted kids too. Because that first connection, a lot of times, if the adoptive caregiver is not present at birth, that child has a broken attachment until they get a primary caregiver. Yeah. This is all really brilliant things that obviously, yet again, we will have to have Megan on. <laughs> and, sorry, and these are things that also contribute to early childhood trauma that doesn't mm-hmm. exist in memory. Yeah. So there are people that have chronic PTSD that develops and, and mind you, complex trauma that goes untreated over decades and all of that business manifests into personality mm-hmm. disorders. Yeah. Most personality disorders come from abuse, neglect, trauma in childhood. Um, so when it goes unaddressed, it becomes these personality disorders because those are survival mechanisms that these people have learned how to get their needs met utilizing. So that's part of this process. So if a child experiences something before actual memory, uh-huh. like before conscious memory during their infantile amnesia, uh-huh. they still hold on to it just because they don't remember it cognitively doesn't mean that that doesn't impact their trauma. Can event. I ask you an oversimplified, unanswerable question? If sure. You have, if as a military spouse, if you have a child while your spouse is deployed and that spouse is deployed for the first entire year of their life, is that going to have a long lasting effect on that spouse and that child? Are they never going to have that connection that you're talking about? It's going to be difficult for the deployed parent to have the same connection. The child will always default to the parent that is home. So the answer is yes, basically. 
But as long as there is healthy attachment to the parent that is home, they're fine. It's the same for kids of divorce. If they have one parent who is stable and lets them know that they love them, just one. They, I mean, both would be golden, but if they just have one parent that is emotionally stable and lets them know that they are loved and helps them feel loved on a daily basis, those kids are fine. So for all of our it's really, military spouses amazing that you're information. concerned your children are never going to be okay because your spouse was not home during their birth, the answer is if you, as long as y'all are good, your kids... And as long as you don't keep throwing it up at your spouse Perfect. in front then of your you're child. you're not going to raise a serial killer. Yeah. It's guaranteed. You've if, heard it here. You ha- <laughs> and here's the thing. And here's the other thing, right? If you have that resentment, yeah. right? If you hold that resentment, then you need to address that. Where is that coming yeah. from? Where is that sense of abandonment coming from? And understanding that, yes, it's hard to be alone with a child for the first year of their life because everything is happening so rapidly and they need you constantly. Um, it's important again, to have support, having support and connections and being okay with asking for help. Even if it's to have somebody who can come over while you take a shower or take a nap, those things are ultimately super important for you to work through your own trauma experiencing of that, because giving birth is a trauma. It is a physical trauma. It changes the body in ways that honestly, y'all should be glad had not happened to you. If there's a two reason, of you, like for real, kids, and I think it's because we are aware. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's yeah. traumatic. It is a trauma, and most women don't treat it as such because we've never been taught to treat it as such. Thank you all again for listening. If you loved what you heard and you haven't already checked out our full interview with Megan, please make sure you check out season three, episode nine called a tiger in the room where you can find the rest of that interview. Thanks again.